Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I'm very excited to be joined as always by my co-host and partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express. He is the Barney Klecker to my Barney Rubble. Phil Vondra, welcome to the Pain Cave. Love it. Good morning, Jay, and happy Father's Day. It's good to be here. Happy Father's Day to you. What else did you want to do on Father's Day? This is all I could ever possibly want. I know. Phil, we're gonna do we're gonna do a rather whirlwind tour of some recent news and uh, and other goings on in the ultra marathon and trail running world, and we wanted to do a quick Western States preview before the big dance coming up in just a few days. This is uh, this is gonna be a little bit maybe different of a feel. We're we're gonna have I know I'm gonna have a little bit of low energy. I'm not usually awake at this point in the morning we don't have our customary beers because not even we are going to start drinking at 9 30 a.m so really? uh well oh, okay. not me I, at I least i got a beer here you do Fair okay I th- no i got a coffee I I actually it's my third coffee of the morning so I'm, I'm ready to go yeah you're racing next weekend i know you're you're uh Let's do it. If, if you have a beer you're just looking at it right now all right phil <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's start. Uh, let's start on a bit of a down note, just to recognize. We wanted to recognize quickly the the recent passing of the the ultra running great uh, Emma Roca, uh, yeah. who passed away just this past week uh, from cancer uh, at 47 years old. Uh, she was a, a, a kind of a pioneer in the European ultra running scene. She was a former champion of Western States and a, a podium finisher at UTMB. And I, I know she was a, a a real role model for a lot of the women and, and men, but especially women who are, are currently kind of at the top of our sport. Uh, so a big yeah. loss. And, and um, you know, we just wanted to recognize that straight away. Yeah, very, very sad, incredible uh, person. I mean, so many like tough 100 mile races, so much, you know, such a great mountain athlete, Spanish firefighter. You know, I, I saw her on the Eco Challenge, like really great person rallying on like, you know, it's such a tough race at Eco Challenge. I mean, the heat in Fiji and the humidity, uh, you know, just rallying her team. Uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. Terribly sad. Um, but, uh, you know, she she lived every day by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yes, exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, our condolences to, to her family, obviously, and, and everyone in the ultra running world who knew her. Definitely. Um, the other big news uh, on the kind of non-ultra running or non-current ultra running front in the past week or two is, you know, the Olympic trials going on right now out in Eugene, Oregon on the uh, newly remade Bowerman track there, which looks beautiful on TV, I should say. But the, the biggest news to come out of the trial so far is the suspension of Shelby Houlihan, the American record holder at 1500 meters, and which I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of other podcasts that will do a better job covering this than us. But I, I was just curious, your thoughts, Shelby Houlihan, the, as I said, the American record holder 1500, she runs for, I believe, the Nike Oregon Project, which uh, is partially coached by Shalane Flanagan, and I think Jerry Schumacher, who is a longtime coach at Wisconsin, is is doing a lot of the co- coaching out there. And uh, you know, she she apparently was taken by surprise by this, and and has uh, posited that this was a tainted meat scenario from some uh, a burrito cart or something that she ate. Uh, her appeal was uh, heard on an emergency basis by the the CAS, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, and. Uh, was denied, so she has a, a four-year ban, and so that's taking her out of this year's Olympics and and likely 2024 as well, unless that uh, suspension gets reduced. Any thoughts on this, Phil? I, I I'm, I'm always a little bit conflicted by this sort of thing when you know because because I think 
I, I'd like to believe that that athletes, you know, are are not cheating. And I, I, you know, she seems sincere when you you read her statements or listen to her interviewed. But um, I mean, we've been burned by this too many times before. We've been burned by the tainted meat thing, and it's just it's hard yeah. to, you know, it's hard to really take people at face value at this point, which is is sad tough. but true. Very I think. tough. Yeah. Um... I mean, you got to think that it's, well, one, a pretty scary scenario that you can just go out to eat a regular meal and that can get you a four-year ban from, from uh, you know, uh, competition. If that's, uh, that's, the, if that's the case. <laughs> if, if that's the case, yes. But then you also have to believe that the process where they got to banning her is is as close to foolproof as we can get. I mean, I, it, I doubt it can be 100%. I mean, there has to be a tiny margin for error. Right. Um, but I would like to think that they have, you know, done a thorough job and, um, you know, they've made, they've made the right decision because it is scary that, you know, you can eat something that's tainted, end up in a, in a process, you know, of drug testing and then, you know, various courts and stuff and, and basically have your career ended. Yeah. Um, so the, the whole thing is, is pretty, pretty terrifying, but, uh, you know, I, I, kind of need to believe have to believe that they've done a thorough job and they've come to the right decision yeah uh, yeah no like you said this is i mean for her career as a, a you know an olympic competitor a, and she was you know apparently a, a metal contender for for later this summer yeah um you know this this is basically the end of that if this gets upheld you know through through paris in 2024 and and if that's obviously if, if this is based on tainted meat or some sort of error then that's tragic um, I, totally. you know, do we, do we need certainty or do we just need tr trust in the process? Like it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to know. I mean, again, we've been burned so many times before and, and, um, yep. it, it's just, it's, it's very hard. And, you know, things were not made any easier by USATF came out, you know, like two days after this was announced, just before the, the trial started and said she was going to be allowed to compete since there was a, an appeal pending, which may or may not mm. have been true. And, and. I think they received a lot of, of pushback against that from a lot of people, including uh, Des Linden. I, I saw posted something on Twitter, basically saying you can't you can't let her run, you know. Well, I mean, I you got to follow the rules, and and I, you know it, it seems like the the U.S. Olympic Committee actually came down on USATF, and and she ultimately was not allowed to run, which I think is yes, unfortunate, but but the right decision. Agreed. You know, not not that I'd put it past USATF to do anything untoward, obviously. Uh, anyway, so that was, you know, disappointing and, and yeah, sad, sad, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, do I mean, will we ever know? I don't know if we're ever going to know short of, uh, I don't think we will, you know, I, mean, I don't think you'll be able to say like absolutely 100% it was correct. You know, um, she was a drug cheat, hundred percent correct, you know, cause there's just that one seed of doubt there, right? You know, maybe, maybe it was wrong. It's, 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 you know, there's a slight possibility that it was right and that's kind of tough you and know? that's terrible but at the same time ending right burrito. i mean this is you know because people cheat this is the best we can do in terms of of testing at least at this time and yep i kind of think we have to go i mean right short short of a lance armstrong style confession we're, we're never going to know for yeah, sure but um exactly anyway uh did you, have you seen any of the racing at the trials I have not. I'm heavily into the swimming trials at the moment. Oh, I'll nice. move on to the athletics after that. The uh, I, I watched pretty much all of the men's ten thousand the other night, which was um, nice. Yeah, it was exciting. It was a good. It was a good finish. 
Yeah, some All good right. athletes got it. Let's talk quickly some ultra news. The biggest news this weekend, this past weekend, was uh, out in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at Six Days in the Dome, the third or fourth edition of this of this race on a 433 meter oversized track indoors, perfectly climate controlled in the high 50s or low 60s. No wind, no rain, no sun. It is a, a beautiful situation at which to set world records. It is the site of Zach Bitter's world record in the 100 mile of 1119 from a few years ago. And your boy Taggart went all out going for it. He did. He, he didn't leave anything on the track, apparently. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, he, he, you know, when you're running at that kind of pace, uh, things can go wrong. And it looks like things went wrong for him, right? I mean, he, he dropped out after about seven hours. He had about 98 kilometers under his belt. Uh, but it seems I didn't see anything on social media kind of explaining what happened to him. But I'm guessing, you know, when you're redlining for, for seven hours and you're trying to break 11 hours for 100 miles, your your margin for error is incredibly small. Yeah. And uh, it looks like it didn't work out for him this time, but he gave it a crack. Yeah, he. Uh, it was it was uh, an impressive attempt. Uh, and, and no, I haven't seen anything either, checking last night or this morning to see uh, any kind of report or, or what happened exactly. Um, you know, we were tracking... He's probably, probably busy booking a hair appointment to have that 1059 removed oh. from the side of his head. Oh, man. What you call wearing your heart on your sleeve. I mean, I'll give him that. He, he was <laughs> like, I'm going to get this carved out on the side of my noggin, 1059. And... Uh, yeah, that's I mean, what you call going for it. So 10.59 would have bested the, the new recently set world record by just about 15 minutes. Yep, which exactly. I mean, and, and he was, he was it looked like running right pretty much on that pace, at least for the first yeah. half of the race. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you start yourself off a few minutes slower than that, knowing that you have some cushion to the actual record of, of just under 11.15. I mean, it, yeah. it, it can't have been easy trying to run... 15 minutes faster than the world record pace the entire time. Maybe ease no. into that a little bit. I don't know. I mean, far be it from me to, to second guess. He was through, I, I want to say, 50 and a half miles in 532. So basically dead on that 11-hour yeah. pace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, as you said, only, only made it another uh, hour and a half or so after that. So we'll have to hear more about what happened to Taggart. Uh, yeah, a valiant attempt. Um, yeah, definitely. And you know... We, we've talked a bunch about him both on the show and offline, and, and I've, we've had conversations with other folks about his training, which in the buildup to this attempt was really hitting, it seemed like consistently 230 to 260 yeah. miles a week, which is huge. Yeah, just crazy. And, and I'm, you know, I, I, I've struggled with, you know, his approach in terms of longevity and, and that sort of thing. Not, not from necessarily an injury standpoint, just from the fact that I don't think that's a sustainable thing. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to see him post on social media within the last couple of weeks, you know, that he's aware, not only is he aware of these questions, but he, he kind of took the, the uh, approach that I, I was kind of saying privately was the one that I hoped he had, or, or the, at least the way that I hoped he thought of his training, which was, you know, he's in a position now that very few people in the history of the world have ever been in, where you have the opportunity to break a world record. And he said, you know, he basically said, this is the way that I can prepare myself to do this. 
if it you know all goes up in smoke and my career's over in a year, so be it. But I'm taking advantage of this opportunity when it comes. And I don't know why that made me feel better about what he's doing. I guess just because it implies some some degree of insight and, and understanding of uh, the toll that this process is going to take on his body. But yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, you know, good on him. I don't know. I've never been in the situation where, A, I could run 250 miles a week or B, I could, you know, set a world record. Um, I'd like to think that if I was in that position and could make that decision, then maybe I would to make it to, you know, say, well, you know, the hell with the future. Let's let's see where this takes me now. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, good on him. I yeah, guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, good good for him. You know, he's uh, he's laying it all out there and he's, uh, you know, just saying, look, it's basically shit or bust here. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can to break these things whilst I can now, whilst it's possible. Uh, but, you know, my question is. You know, physiologically, 250 miles a week. I mean, if it was as simple as whoever runs the most miles is going to be the best, then this would be a whole different sport, right? right. Like maybe he's breaking world records at 175 miles a week. Right. You know, like, sure, it's a shocking number, 250 miles a week. It's massive. But, like, are you going to be a better runner at 170 miles a week? I I have a feeling you are. You right. know, I, I, I don't think it's a case of whoever runs the most miles is the best runner. Um, right. Like so you said, if, if that I was the case, it would be a, a very a simple, I mean, coaches wouldn't have simple a job. Sport, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, right. Hey, I can run 500 miles a week. You know, I'm like the best in the world. It's easy. Right. Um, this, is what, this is what Claire was saying on the show last week. She's, you know, she's won Western States on 70 miles a week. Other people have won it yeah. on 150. And, you know, it's yeah. about finding what works for you. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I mean, my personal feeling is that 250 miles a week is, is probably too much. Um, and, you know, you'd probably be a better runner on, you know, if you can handle that kind of volume, that intensity, 150, 170 miles a week, you know. Uh, but anyway, I, I think we've got more more to see from him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he's definitely an exciting character, wears his heart on his sleeve. And, and let's see what, what happens next. You know, he's going to pick himself back up and, and uh, you know, put it out there again. So, and that's that's cool. It's fun to watch a guy race like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm rooting for him. I I, yeah, I think uh, he's he's he is a fun character in the sport, definitely, and I'm sure yeah. he's, I'm sure he's Great. not done. I'm sure he'll lick his wounds and come back, and we'll see what's next. Okay. I mean, I hope so. It'll yeah. it'll be it'll be fun. I know, I know he does not like running trails, and I right. know he's and, and actually I think one of the next things for him he said is he he's gonna uh, do an Ironman, which he I think is like a bit of unfinished business from his you know, triathlon right. pre-career. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see when he gets back into the ultra scene. I, I would assume it'll be before the end of the year. I I, I do hope we start seeing him racing some other folks uh, instead yeah. of time trialing cool. or that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, yep, yep, we'll see him soon. You know, even after he stepped off the track, which was our time sometime in the mid-afternoon, there was still some drama going on in both the 24 and the 48 hour. And I thought a bunch yeah. of records might go down and ultimately nothing did. Um, Jacob Moss and Nick Corey both who both of whom have spots on the 24-hour national team for Worlds, were also in the 24, uh, trailing Taggart by a reasonable margin. Um, but they kept rolling pretty fast, and they were both through 100 miles. They were both, they were both over, I want to say, 90 miles in under 12 hours. And, um, and they were both through 100 miles in just over 13 hours, 13, 15, 13, 20 or so. Uh, Nick stopped there, which, you know, made sense to me you know, he has a lot of race miles on his legs recently, and I'm, I'm not sure he needed another 100 going into Worlds, but that was a real fast time and, and impressive. Jacob, too, kind of in the same situation, another guy who runs a lot of these races and, and 
does it a little bit more than I would probably recommend or, or think to do myself. He was through 100 right around with Nick. He was actually leading Nick most of the way. And then uh, it looked like he went another few hours and went to about 112 miles in about 16 hours and then called it a day. So ultimately, they finished a little further down the list uh, in, in the overall standings. But, you know, I mean, obviously, both in shape and, and both are going to be players on the world stage at, at world championships. Again, I, I'm not sure I agree with racing 100-mile type things this close to the world's. But, you know, these guys seem to do it pretty well. And, and Olivier LeBlanc as well, who, yeah. you know, is the, you know, a returning third place finisher at Worlds who will be on the, the team as well. He, he was in the 48 hour just a couple of weeks after winning Old Dominion. You know, the, these guys, I guess, can, can, you know, can do it a little bit more consistently and, and more frequently than I would have thought. Olivier was chasing his own 48 hour world record. And I thought he was going to get it, actually. He was, when I went yeah. to bed through, through 37 hours, needed only, a, it looked like he was only going to need about 40 miles over the last 10 hours or so. Uh, but ultimately, he stopped it just short of the 38-hour mark. And uh, Marissa Lezak, chasing her own American record of 48 hours also, uh, on pace through about 36 hours or so, and then uh, ultimately slowed down and finished uh, just a couple miles behind Olivier. Yeah. 220 to 218. Some good performances, uh, all folks who will be yeah. on the 24-hour team. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, there was one point last night, uh, at around 9 PM Eastern where I was tracking it, uh, tracking the, the 24 and the 48. And I'm, I'm like, we're going to see three American records by the time we wake up tomorrow. And I know, yeah. none of that came to pass, but I think it does go to show that that is a venue where records can be set. And we're going to see more of them there over the years, my guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it does sound like a very very good place for that i mean especially with the temperature control you know with the temperatures we're getting at the moment that, that definitely seems you know basically running in a great big fridge yeah is the uh, is the way to do it <laughs> yeah that's so cute. i mean there's a big hole in the ozone layer caused by it but <laughs> right <laughs> these are records we're talking here people um, right <laughs> yeah. so. uh, okay what else did you want to touch on any other uh, results from around the ultra world that we wanted to talk about before we get into a little western states talk? I mean, we had comset right 50k champs mm -hmm. uh yeah back good. at back at uh, heckshire park again this year yeah yeah uh randy burnett winning the women's race 332 um that was that was good i kind of surprised me because normally it's earlier in the year right normally it's uh it's march it's isn't usually it? the so, first weekend in march yep it kind of kind of took me uh, took me by surprise on that, um, and the Preston Johnson was the winner of the men's two fifty three. Mm -hmm. um, I think both of those uh, the men's and women's winners get a, a place in the uh, the fifty k world champs. That's correct. Uh, sometime later this year, so that was that was kind of cool. Um, good to see that. And then uh, it was Big Horn yesterday. It was won by Tyler Fox, mm -hmm. uh, 1844, I think, something like that. And that's a pretty fast time. Apparently, it was extremely hot there. Um, I didn't see the the women's winner on that one yet. Yeah, uh, I tried that, to look, but I couldn't see results on it. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. And Big Horn is a, is, a, is a very good mountain race. I just saw Tyler because I think uh, David posted on it on Instagram. Yeah. That was the only, I haven't yeah. seen the, the actual results yet either. Yeah, Comset, Preston Johnson, 253, apparently had a, a pretty sizable lead and, and wound up cramping right. and was, was walking towards the end. And oh, Kyle, wow. Kyle Masterson almost ran him down, came from, I, yeah. think, I think, three or four minutes down on the last lap, finished uh, only about 30 seconds back. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice yeah, finish, it was, yeah, it was a charge. And uh, Fernando Cabada was third for the men, the, uh, the, the marathoner who we last saw at the Project Carbon X. Um, Sabrina Little, fifth for the women. Um, first, yeah, she's back racing. That's yeah, great. First race back from, from pregnancy and having the baby. Uh, so Very cool. I know she said she has some stuff to work on, but uh, good to see her getting back into it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yep. That was good. Um, we had a little bit of the uh, Golden Trail series, right? It's yeah. Back. Yeah, that's back. That was cool. They were in Girona, right? Yep. Pretty pretty good racing. Uh, I think it was a, a half marathon there with about six and a half thousand feet of elevation gain, which <laughs> sounds insanely brutal. That's uh, more math is winning there for the women. Speaking of drug cheats. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't have a, a burrito, though, so um, <laughs> that was probably good. And uh, the... Uh, the winner there was the uh, Stian Angermund, Norwegian, I think, for the yep. men. Yep. Uh, and then Remy Bonnet in second. I think yeah, it sounded pick, like I think Remy Ruben. was leading and, and fell, actually. And, and uh, Stian was able to catch him because Remy went down. Yeah, took a tumble. Yep. I'm uh, not surprised. On a half marathon with six and a half thousand feet of gain, that thing must have been pretty craggy, if you ask me. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Rachel Drake, six for the women. From the U.S., yeah. good to see yeah, her. Good. She was the runner-up in the uh, Golden Trail Championship last year, the, which we talked about on the show, the stage race. That was a, a fun. Are they doing that again? Excuse me, I'm sorry. Do you know is that is the series concluding with a stage race again? I would guess it would be. It seems like it went off pretty well last year. I so hope so. I that was super that, fun. Yeah, that was good. So hopefully we'll see that. Yeah, that was really fun. All right. I mean, there's a bunch of other little stuff. I mean, it's fun to have, you know, racing back and, and be able to follow all this stuff. The The big show, obviously, is coming this coming weekend out in Olympic Valley, uh, the return of Western States after a two-year absence. I could not be more excited for this. And let's, let's instead of just bouncing around to a bunch of other races, let's just get into it and talk a little bit about the upcoming party that is going to happen out there. Uh, we have yeah. eight of the 10 top 10 returnees on both the men's and the women's side for from, from 2019 and a slew of other top men and women who are going to be competing in, you know, what a lot of people have called the best ultra field, certainly in the U.S. in quite some time, maybe ever. Um, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's both the men's and women's races are absolutely stacked. It's going to be hot as usual. We're looking canyons at canyons heating up. Yeah, the canyons are going to be crazy. They're they're predicting Auburn in the you know mid to upper one O's, so one o five, one o seven, which yeah. is uh, you know it's always hot there, but that that's a a little bit of a different level than we're used to seeing. So yeah. we have to consider how that's going to affect a lot of these folks. Although I think it's going to be a lot of crop tops being worn this year. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a crop top year. I mean, you know, not that not that it was a secret, but the cat's out of the bag. Everyone's doing heat training for Western these days, and you know, yeah. but you know, certainly some people are going to react to that better than others. Only three hundred and twenty-five starters this year, Phil. Did you know that? Yeah, they're down a little bit. I think um, I think part of that was due to permitting, right? They were a bit unsure about the permitting situation. It was partly and that, and then they allowed you know deferrals for the Europeans and stuff. So most of the Europeans have deferred, other yeah. than a few of the elites that we'll talk about. And they blew through the entire. You know, they they choose a fifty person wait list. Every everyone on the wait list got in, basically. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah they still have some some spots, which uh, that's crazy. That they, but they can use some some of these spots. So I wasn't quite understanding this. That like I think over the next few years they can have like a little bit more and a little bit kind of like 
get some of these extra oh, really? spots in, in upcoming years so he can add a few. Yeah, that's I was kind of reading it but didn't quite understand it. So All they right. can kind of top up a few based off being a, a, like a, a little bit under this year. So our chances, average so our chances next year go from 4.2% to 4.23%? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great. That's, that's good, good, right? That's really good. That's great news. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to you. <laughs> uh, let's get a little 03 there. Let's talk about these fields. Like I said, 8 of 10 on both the men's and women's side returning top 10. Uh, let's talk about the women first, as we usually do. Yeah. Returning champ, the uh, you know, our, our most recent guest on the pod, the great Claire Gallagher, will be back. She is coming off of a win at the Scout Mountain 21 Miler, where she set, broke her own course record. She yep. is the second fastest runner ever on this course, 1723 from 2019. And, you know, it, it's hard to tell what kind of shape everyone's in just because there hasn't, haven't so been that many know, races. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Claire has as good a shot as anyone. She is incredibly tough. She's incredibly smart. She knows this course well. She was able to dig deep when she needed to when Brittany Peterson ran up on her in 2019. And she seems to have a great attitude. I think she's going to be tough to Fantastic. beat. Fantastic. Agree with with all of those comments. Yeah, I mean, she's super excited about it. She's competitive, but she's also relaxed enough to kind of go out there and you know let the day unfold a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think she's she's got a very good chance of winning again. Yeah, I think um, you know she's. Uh, I think the thing as well with a lot of people is a lot of people have been training hard. The one thing with you know not having so many races available people have kind of really got a, a strong training rhythm going and yep. you know maybe been able to add in things they didn't necessarily have the time for so maybe some more strength training some core you know i think people have just really like put in a solid a solid uh you know year of training under their belts with less racing around and less traveling so right you know it's going to be kind of fun because there's going to be some surprises out there so um but yeah claire obviously incredibly strong Brittany Peterson uh you know some some good racing uh, earlier this year uh Casey's back I mean Beth Pascal I mean it's just it's so deep it's just going to be incredibly exciting and they're going to have an amazing live feed this year which should be you know basically people are going to be watching this thing for like 24 hours straight so right so I think when we when we try and make a prediction or think about who is going to kind of be in the mix, we have to think about, I mean, the place where I start is who's who's in form. And the only people who we really know are in form are the ones that we've seen race this year. You think about yeah. the people who have done well in the uh, in the Golden Golden Ticket Series leading up to this year. So, you know, Brittany Peterson, second last year, fourth all time at Western States. Uh, she's the, she won Black Canyon earlier this year. We've got uh, Beth Pascal, who you mentioned. We had her on after her win at Canyons. And yep. Katie Asmus is the other winner of the third Golden yep. Trail. Gold, sorry, Golden Ticket race this year, winning at, at Bandera. So you gotta, you yep. got to like those three, just knowing that they're Definitely. in some sort of form. You know, Casey, I, I'm not sure where to where I would slot Casey in this. I, I have to say her, her, her third place in 2019 was a little bit of a surprise just because she had been struggling a little bit before that. It's hard to yeah. bet against somebody like Casey. She's, you know, a former champ of this race. She's been on the podium at least two or three other times. Um, but, you know, she she has struggled on and off with injury, including earlier this year. And she hasn't raced since. I, I don't know that she's raced uh, significantly outside of, um, you know, kind of the Nebraska area since mm -hmm. Western States. I know she had won a bunch of local 50Ks last year during the pandemic, 
but I've not seen her racing on the big stage since then. So, you know, she was out of training camp and looked like she was having a blast. And it sounds like she's in great shape, but it's hard to know exactly how race ready she is. Although she always does seem to show up at this race and, you know, really yeah. put in a performance. Um, I, 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 I'm looking at my list here of people. I have a hard time getting past Beth Pascal. Yeah. I feel top three for sure for her. I think she's, you know, she's come over to the U S she's done the heat training. She's done right. the altitude. Yep. She's really put together a very structured training block. Um, you know, past the canyons, um, you know, she's, she's been out, I think Arizona to start with, and now she's out in California. She's really, you know, she's, she's gunning for the win here. Yeah. Like, put, put together the, tr you know, the training block to make that happen. So I think that's, she's going to be definitely one to watch. She was fourth in 2019. So she knows the course. I can pick her comfortably without feeling like, you know, I'm violating my rule against picking first timers at this race. She obviously had success on the same trails at Canyons earlier this year. Um, yeah. You know, she can run in any sort of condition. It seems like she's so tough and so strong at, you know, if somebody's going to give Claire a run for her money, it's going to be Beth. And I do think those yeah. two could be could be dueling, dueling at the end with a couple of these other names in there. Um, totally. Addie Bracey is another, you know, ninth returner from 2019. She's was fifth at Black Canyon earlier this year. She's got a ton of talent. She's got a ton of speed. I don't know that she's necessarily completely put together a race at the 100 mile distance yet, but uh, that she could be somebody in the mix, I think, for a podium spot. Yeah, totally. I think also Ruth Croft as well, uh, winning Terrawara earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she's she's going to be up there and uh, Ragnar de Bats as well. I think she's going to she's going to be up there. I mean, it's just it's such a great field. It's just it's, you know, it, anything could unfold out there this year. And especially yeah. if it is going to be in the sort of like, you know, saying the high is like 108, that's going to be. It's going to make make things change for people, right? Even when they're you could be way up, you know, having a great race, things could change in a second for you in those kind of temperatures. So it's going to be exciting. Ruth Croft could be the best fifty k to hundred k hundred k trail runner in the world, maybe. Uh, but again, I, I you know first time on this course, and I think first time attempting a hundred miles. I, I never like picking somebody at states for that. I think Ragna's in the same boat. Another great hundred k, hundred twenty k type ultra runner. Had a ton of success at uh, Transvolcania, CCC in the past, but also first time at States, first time running 100 miles. Another American in the same boat there, Keely Henninger, who we love talking about on yeah. this show. She's one of our favorites, uh, you know, Pacific Northwest, generally tearing it up in, at the 50 mile and 100K distance. Her first States, her first 100 mile attempt as well. So, you know, all people who, you know, were this 100K race, I would probably have, you know, at the top of the podium maybe, but... Yep. We'll have to see how it plays out at 100 miles. And, and like I said, if I'm if I'm in the in the game of picking uh, a podium, I'm not putting those folks on there just the first time out at States. It just doesn't uh, doesn't sit right. Just we, we've seen too many people struggle the first time through, especially, yep. like you say, in this heat. And then, you know, we have to talk about Camille. Like, who knows with Camille? What, do you have a sense of how this is going to play out for her or what what? you know, her training has been like or anything. I, I've seen very little from her, which, you know, good. You know, maybe she's, you know, kind of lying low and laying in wait. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've given up trying to guess how she's going to perform at this race. Yeah, so so hard to know. I mean, she it does seem from her social media that she has, um, you know, been training hard, obviously, in a lot of heat. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to call. 
but I think she's she's definitely putting in a really solid amount of heat training. Living in Arizona, every time I see on uh, social media, I see a rattlesnake or a spider or a cactus or something like that. So she's, I think she's dialed in for the heat. And I think this year that's going to be so key. I mean, it is every year, but with the extra hot year, I think it's going to be even more so. So, yeah, I mean, I think she could could be right up there, you know? So if you had to pick a podium, you, you want to give me three picks for the podium? You don't have to give them in order, but who, who's your top three for the women? Okay, so I'm going to go with Claire, Claire Gallagher. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with... Beth Pascal and then Brittany Peterson. I guess it's a little predictable. Yeah, I have the same. I'd say I beyond the same. that, I'd say Casey um, and then probably Camille. That would be my kind of top five situation there. Yeah, so I, have, I have the same top three. Like you say, I think it's a little bit chalky, but I think those are the three who have proven themselves on this course, and we know all three of them are in fantastic shape. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't know why you would pick against them. If I'm going to go five deep, oh, gee, right. if I'm going to go five deep, I'll throw Addie Bracey in there. I think she's primed for, right. for a top five. And uh, I, I would, I would do a toss up between Ruth Croft and Keely Henninger. One of them is going to sneak into mm. the top five is my guess. Yeah. Uh, and- I think one uh, definitely, I, I, I think can get in the top 10 is Katie Asmuth. Yeah. Um, you know, one of our teammates did well in obviously in Bandera. I think she's a very tough runner. Um, I would love to see her in the top ten. I think I think she can I think she can do that. Yep. Uh let's talk quickly about the men, as I'm running a little late, but uh yeah. we do want to talk about what is again just an unbelievable field. It's a good field, right? <laughs> yeah. Now this, this is a, this is an unbelievable field of basically all Americans. Uh, unlike yeah. on the the women's side, where we we spoke about several Europeans and and overseas runners who are coming over. I mean, just to to list the women and some of them that we didn't talk about from overseas that have been here training and therefore were able to you know kind of hold on to their spots and and escape yeah. the the travel bans and such. You know, we have yeah. Beth Pascal. We mentioned uh, Ragna. We mentioned Ruth. Uh, we yeah. we did not mention Audrey Tangay. From uh, from France, who was Correct. the winner at the Carbon X and has a great trail resume as well, and yep. Emily Hoggood from Zimbabwe, who raced yeah. all three Golden Ticket races and, and was able to snag her Golden Ticket at Canyons uh, with a fourth mm-hmm. place finish there. Yep. The same cannot be said on the men's side. Basically, all the men's elites from overseas uh, deferred or are out for this year. So this is an all-U.S. field, but as an all-U.S. field, it basically has every great U.S. trail 100-miler that you could possibly imagine. Absolutely. And it is going to be something else. Again, as with the women, we start with the defending champ and the course record holder, Jim Walmsley, who, you know, has been more or less laying low since his 100K near world record at the Carbon X, uh, 609.20, an unbelievable performance there. And since then, it sounds like it's just been running up and down the mountains outside Flag and in the Grand Canyon. And, you know, again, given health, which I think it sounds like he is, I think it it begins and ends with Jim and and everything that happens and every and and the way that the race plays out is basically dependent on how Jim runs um, and everyone else has to yeah. key off of him to some degree. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the word around the aid station table was that, you know, he was looking to break 14 hours this year, you know, he was going to go all in on that. Um, and uh, I think with the temperatures as high as they are, I think he's probably going to maybe take that off the table. So I think with him, tr- you know, previously planning to try and break 14 that might open up some windows for someone if he just went in too hard and had a had a shocker 
you know that could open up the race a little bit but if he's if the if it's going to be as hot as it is and he's going to be more conservative race you know bearing in mind the the high heat i think that's going to you know make him obviously the guy who's uh, the favorite you know the the chance that other people had would have been if he was trying to break 14 and it went horribly wrong that's really the only chance he, right i mean that that seems like the only be, chance yeah. I, he, he's, as they say, it's his to lose right now. Right. I mean, he's the he's the best. He's certainly the best in the world right now. He may be the best uh, we've ever seen. And right. I mean, there, there's no situation that doesn't play into his hands. Right. I, I mean, a fast pace, a slow pace, a hot day. Like, yeah. yeah you say it's yeah. 105 degrees. Anything can happen. Yeah. But he's the best at running in the heat. He's better at this than anybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, again, like you said, unless he does something like he did in 2017, where he basically just went out, you know, balls to the wall and ran himself into a pulp. Uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't see how he loses, um, which, yeah. you know, allow, allow me to be the 8000th person to to make that observation. Uh, Jared <laughs> yeah. Hazen, his teammate, uh, yeah. returning second, second fastest all time set in 2019. Uh, we've yeah. got I mean, again, we've got Matt Daniels returning fourth, Mark Hammond, Pat Regan, Stephen Kirsch, Jeff Browning, Kyle Pietari. That's the returning top 10 folks. And then the, 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 the list of other people is absolutely insane. Um, I'm going to start with Max King, who has been fourth at this race in his only attempt in the past and yep. is at the less than 100 mile distance, probably the greatest U.S. trail ultra runner of all time and maybe the most versatile uh, American distance runner of all time when you think about track and trail and mountain and everything else and is definitely in shape. I mean, we just had him on. He's, his training has been going great and he yep. knows how to run in the heat as well. I, I, don't, I feel like he's a guy that not a lot of people have been talking about leading into this race and I think he's got a real shot at a podium spot. Totally, yeah. He's, I mean, he's running incredibly well, super experienced, um, and he's, he's, you know, he. When we spoke to him, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, he's, he's totally up for it, right? I mean, his training has been great. So yeah, and uh, you know, could have well won in canyons without the wrong turn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally agree. He's definitely one to watch. Uh, Matt Daniels, you know, he's, he's one to watch. I think he hasn't maybe performed at the level he'd like to at this race. You know, right. he's had some good results, but I think he has more more to come. Um, you know, and then we have uh, Hayden Hawks as well, Tim Tollison. I mean, it's just, it's insanely deep. I mean, I, I'm looking at the field and it's a shame there's not some Europeans here, but I think the only Europeans that could maybe get into this area would be Tom Evans, mm -hmm. you know, third place last year. Mm -hmm. And then Sebastian Spieler. Mm -hmm. I don't think any other overseas runners would be capable of breaking in. I think that, you know, this is a, a kind of a race um, dominated by American runners. I mean, obviously it's, it's here, but I just don't see, you know, it being a big concern that these other runners aren't here. I mean, look, it would be great to see Tom Evans here, Sebastian Spieler. Yep. But I think looking at this field, this is like pretty much the best field you can have at this race, bar maybe two runners. I, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, I might throw Pau Capel in there, you know, more of a big mountain specialist, but I think yeah. he probably has the wheels to do it. Beyond yeah, that, beyond that, I, I don't know. I don't, I, right. I don't know yeah. that you're missing anything by, by not having the rest of the Europeans or, or overseas folks there. Um, this is about yeah. as good as it gets. Tim Tollefson, I think, is a guy to watch, you know, this is, uh, yeah. you know, coming off of the win at Javelina in, in October, 
you know he's going to be fit, and you know he has the both the speed and the mountain chops. I mean, Alex Nichols, we haven't seen a lot from in the past year. He was second nope. at Bandera in 2020, which is where he got his golden ticket that carried over to this year. He's got all the talent in the world. He's an experienced guy. He was second at this race in 2017. Since Bandera last year, I have not seen anything from him. Mm-hmm. Um, Hayden Hawks, you mentioned, you know, one of the only guys to break a gym course record with his 518 yeah. at JFK last year. Um yep but has never finished 100 and has never run at States before. Mm-hmm. Your boy, Drew Holman, uh, also 100-mile yeah. debutante, I believe, yes? Yep, um, yes, he is. But has be- he's, he's one of the few guys who's actually beaten a lot of these guys head-to-head in, at yeah. you know, the 50-mile distance, and he, he has the talent to run with any of these guys. We haven't, even, we haven't even mentioned Pat Regan yet, no. you know, who's <laughs> one of the few guys to have run under 13 hours on this cor- on, uh, in, in this field I'm and close. has yeah. the course record at Javelina. And uh, we know he's fit following Project Carbon X as well. Cody Lind, you know, long yep. history with this race in great shape. Uh, one dark dark horse guy that I know Debo would t- be talking up if, if he was here right now. And, and I want to mention is Tyler Green, the the. Okay. Uh, King of the FKT from from last yeah. summer. Um, yeah, I mean he's a he's another serious contender. I mean he's a top five guy for sure. I mean it's uh, impressive FKTs this year. I mean he's run some seriously fast hundreds. Um, yeah, he's one to watch. And uh, I mean Ryan Miller, kind of new to the scene as well, super fast mm-hmm. like road guy. You know, and I think we say this sort of every other podcast, but like these fast marathon runners coming into the sport, you know, pushing the uh, speed on, you know, something that the sort of the, the smoother trails. I mean, obviously there's some elevation there, uh, but you know, this might suit a guy like that, you know, to, to sneak into the top five. So uh, another yep. one to watch. Yep. All right. Give me your, give me your top five in any order. It doesn't have to be in order, but who do you, who do you, who are you liking in the top five this year? Well, I mean, I have to go with obviously Jim and Jared, yep. right? That's a, that's a no brainer. Um, then I'm going to go Hayden Hawks, uh, Max King, and then uh, Tim Tollison. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to put that top five, though. So hard. Uh, Daniels, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I have almost exactly the same. Jim and Jared. I have Tim and, and Hayden, and I'm going to throw Tyler Green in there in my top five. Um, yeah. And then, you know, God knows what happens in the back half of this top ten. Like, how, oh, you know, how do you, how do you bet against Jeff Browning or Kyle? Yeah. Kyle Piatari or Pat Regan sneaking into the top. <laughs> the, the, I mean, Jeff Browning yeah. is is in the back half of the top ten every year. So is Kyle. Yep. There's no way that's yeah. not happening. I don't see Cody Lind not getting into the top ten. I don't see Drew <laughs> not getting into the top ten. So I mean, yeah. this, it's just it's insane. It and we, I, did we even say Mark Hammond's name? Who's been in no, the top? No, we should have. Yeah, you know, we, we totally been should been on the podium I mean, twice. Could be and, a top five guy easily. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. So I mean, it, Alex it's Nichols. Right. I mean, right. So it, we just it's keep saying just names. Be wild. I mean, it, yeah, it's going to be wild. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. All right, Phil, this was fun. Let's reconvene in a week or two when we can go over what happened. I'm sure there's going to be tons of storylines. There's going to be carnage. There's going to be tears. There's going to be joy. Uh, we're going to love every that's second of it. And, that, and right. That's that's just before we wake up tomorrow morning. <laughs> All right. And uh, yes, good luck this weekend at Manitou's. And so, yeah, let's 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 uh, chat next week when we can get the the blow by blow from Manitou's. We'll go over everything that happened out in Auburn and uh, we'll we'll look ahead to the rest of the summer. Sounds good to me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up, please.
Years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky and wild wonderment. And ride the bus and feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there. I was still young. I was still. 